Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor. Today we got Krishna producing, and we are talking the state of the Clippers. Robert Flom is here. He is the managing editor for 213 Hoops and a former uh, BBIer. So, Robert, how you doing, and uh, what's the state of the Clippers? I'm doing well, Taylor. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And the state of the Clippers is uh, is pretty euphoric right now. I don't know if you've been on Twitter, but um, Ty Lue <laughs> had a, a little or, or Lawrence Frank actually had a bit of a press conference today. And they said Kawhi Leonard has been cleared for full five on five and, and really all basketball activities. Uh, Paul George is 100 percent healthy. Uh, John Wall, they posted videos of John Wall. Clippers fans are, are extremely excited right now, probably too excited. I'm usually a bit of a downer, but they're they're very excited. <laughs> All right, so uh, obviously Kawhi misses the entire year last year. They have a super loaded roster. Uh, they they steal Norman Powell and Robert Covington from the Blazers, and they come in this year. Uh, what are the expectations? Like I, I know this team has been together for a few years now. Uh, would a success be a Western Conference Finals, a Finals, or do they have to win a ring for people really to be satisfied? I think I think they have to win a ring. Um, you know, the, the, the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George window is, is not as wide open as it was when they made the trade a few years ago. You know, these guys are, are in their thirties now. They've played a million minutes. Well, actually not Kawhi because of all the injuries. Um, but he has had a lot of injuries. Paul George has had injuries. Like these guys are not going to be top tier players for forever. Um, and a lot of the rest of their supporting cast is also, you know, aging into their thirties as well. So it's really the next two years is, is when a lot of these deals, are are up, you know, a couple of their key players are signed for longer, but they really have like a two, maybe three year window, I'd say. Uh, so every year matters. And, and the reason they made that trade, those, you know, the, the trade for Paul George and the signing of Kawhi was to win a championship. They have not done so so far. I think it's hard to consider like a Western Conference Finals a failure that feels like a bit strong considering this franchise has only have had one ever other career, uh, you know, Western Conference Finals appearance. And that was just two years ago. Um, but I, I think the only way it can be considered a true success is with a championship. I, I suppose a finals run and a loss in the finals would be would be pretty good for for probably the organization and and for fans. But a true success, I think, is yeah, they want to win a championship. That's that's what they built this team for. Uh, Kawhi coming back from the uh, the injury, he missed all of last year. So on the plus side, they uh, really took their time. They didn't want to rush him back. He had more than a whole calendar year to recover. What are the expectations for him at the beginning of the season? I, I think considering his injury, it's something that he needs to play through. I don't, I don't think anybody is expecting to be 100% Kawhi Leonard uh, right away. I mean, the last time we saw him, he looked like maybe the best player in the NBA. I don't, I, I wouldn't say so because of Giannis and, and that, Jokic. That playoff um, run was was crazy. It, he was cooking for a few weeks there. Yes. Um, I mean, so was Paul George, quite honestly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was insane. I mean, his game six performance against the Mavs, in the first round of the 2021 playoffs is, is just one of the best basketball performances I've ever seen. Probably anybody will ever see. It was a remarkable performance and he was not quite that good the rest of that run, but he was pretty extraordinary before Joe Ingles uh, did a little, little dirty move there and, and Kawhi hurt his knee. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be that good right away, but I think the expectations are certainly that he'll be like when he plays and, and I'm sure there will be, games that he gets off for for rest or he's load managed in terms of minutes but his per counting stats and his overall impact i i assume should be at least all-star level even considering the the recovery and, and getting back into to gear 
Um, and as you said, he has had a lot of time off. They're, they really gave him a ton of time. He should be fully healthy. He's been practicing and working out with the team, so some of the chemistry will hopefully still be there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's maybe not like all NBA first team level right away. Uh, I think you'd hope for that by the time the playoffs roll around. But I think you'd, you'd be hoping for at least an all-star, you know, maybe all NBA third team caliber season from Kawhi. So you have Kawhi, uh, Paul George, he missed about 30, or he only played about 30 games last year. So yeah. it, it's sort of an interesting thing where when your team is this good, right, you do have, uh, you know, playoff aspirations, championship aspirations, and you have your two key players that have been banged up recently. W- what do you think the the mode of management is going to be to make sure that those guys are fresh, that the team is peaking at the right time heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if Kawhi in particular will play back to backs. Um, my guess is he he probably won't. Um, and he might and, and Paul George might just get random rest days throughout the year, like maybe in. I don't actually know if the Clippers have any five and sevens uh, this year. Um, I don't think they do. They had like five last year. It was absolutely insane. Uh, but like, I think they'll they'll get rest days off. Kawhi, I mean, 82 game season. I, if he plays more than 65, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, I think Paul George will will they'll try to play more. He won't get as many rest games. But I think the key for them, even more than games off, is just minutes load. Uh, these are guys who should not be playing consistently in the mid 30s. Um, just on a regular basis. Sure, if it's like a big game against a you know a conference opponent, or it's just a game where one of them is playing really well, or what have you. Like I, I get it, but it, you know you you just can't be playing them that much that consistently. So I'd be looking for Ty Lue to try to keep their minutes down, maybe spread some of the minutes to more of the younger guys and just depth pieces on the team because the Clippers have insane depth. I mean, I I don't know if they're quite the deepest team in the NBA. I think some people would argue they are, but they might have the most stuff. I think they run like 12 deep with NBA rotation players, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that that leads me to my next question, where you, you talk about how you want to maybe limit those two guys, but when you do go 10, 11, maybe even 12 deep, uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Canard, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, Batum, Reggie Jackson, like a lot of like pretty quality NBA players. How do you it's an interesting team because you have a lot of lineup flexibility, uh, especially with your two best players being two way wings that are really effective defensive players. Um, Robert Covington also, uh, I feel like there is a, a, a quite a number of lineups you could throw out. Like, what do you do you see? The regular season being a time where you maybe test some things out, figure out what your your Golden State death lineup is, or, or do you think it's going to be uh, different than that? What are you envisioning? I absolutely think there's going to be some experimentation. I mean, Ty Lue, I, I oftentimes disagree with his experiments. Uh, last year, he started Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe together for the first 20 games of the year. It was pretty obvious after like the first four or five that it was not a good lineup and he stuck with it anyway uh, partially I think out of deference and partially because the Clippers were so banged up they really didn't have many other great options um, but yeah I mean I think there's gonna be plenty of experimentation I think we're gonna see a lot of small ball in the second unit uh, a cursory look at the Clippers roster will show you that they don't really have a backup center um, their backup center is really gonna be a combination of Robert Covington and Nick Batum probably uh, so they're gonna play small a lot 
Um, but I think they can also play like no point guard lineups. If if Reggie Jackson and John Wall are having off games, you could go with a like Terrence Mann or Norm Powell, like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then any two of Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, like an all wing switch heavy lineup. Um, you could play bigger with, you know, keeping a Vita Zubats, who is quite good um, in there and, and playing like three or four wings as well and, and going really big uh, and focusing more on, on rebounding. Um, or you could go really small and play Reggie Jackson and, and John Wall together alongside Paul George Kawhi and maybe one of the other forwards and go really five out heavy and put a ton of shooting and ball handling and, and shot creation on the floor. So there are all sorts of lineups Tyloo can and, and probably will use. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, of trying to get everybody minutes again, like there, there will be injuries. Of course, the Clippers are an older team. There are going to be rest games. So I think in, I think all 11 of those guys that you mentioned will play pretty consistently. Honestly, even Amir coffee, who's the 12th man, I expect he'll play a, a good amount too. Probably not as much as he should. He was really good for the Clippers last year. Uh, but I, I think Tyloo will find ways to work most of them in there. It's possible he even runs 11 deep on a, just a game-by-game basis and kind of Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann maybe only get a handful of minutes a game or he, he does kind of a hot hand thing. It's something he did last year where, again, something I didn't like, but it's something he did where um, he would play both Isaiah Hardenstein and Serge Ibaka in the first half of games and whoever was better would get the backup center minutes in the second half. Um, and each of them got like a four or five minute stint in the first half and that was it. And based on that, he'd make the second half rotation adjustment. So he might do something similarly with like Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann or, or you know, Terrence Mann and Norm Powell or uh, Terrence Mann and, and John Wall or whoever. Um, the guard situation is definitely where things are most congested, though. I think the forwards, it's it's pretty clear who's going to play. They're all going to get a, a good chunk of minutes. Uh, Kawhi and Paul, Paul George is obviously going to start and play a ton. Um, I think it's at guard where there are really the most questions on, on who's going to play and, and how much. Yeah, I, I just think this lineup is just so exciting when you could have Kawhi, Paul George, and Robert Covington, and then fill in that with whoever you want yeah. just from a defensive standpoint because like a lot of the times you know people are like oh you know this is like a very like a very 2k lineup and sometimes it can mean really good things sometimes it can mean really just like a, a very strange lineup um i feel like this is 2k in the good sense where you have so much three-point shooting on this team you have a lot of self-creation you have a, a ton of like really versatile defensive wings um this seems like an extremely modern team um, with an absolutely loaded roster where I, this is <laughs> when I'm bored at work. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think about how like playoff rosters can work. And I think the Clippers are are maybe the most fun and maybe have the most combinations, uh, most winning combinations where you're like, no, no matter how you, you dice up these 11, 10, you know, 12 guys, there's a lot of uh, like Robert Covington analytics, darling. Um, yes. I, I feel like, uh, Paul George, every once in a while when the playmaking gets going, it, it's really something a sight to be seen. Because last year he actually had his uh, career high. It was it was a smaller sample, like we said earlier, but a career high in our, our playmaking metric. Sometimes Kawhi just takes over games. Um, I, I feel like this is definitely going to be a, a team where if you have league pass, you're going to be checking in quite often this season. I agree. I mean, they should be a lot of fun. And that's something the Clippers haven't always been, even when they've been good. I think... You know, your your enjoyment of Chris Paul may vary. Um, I love watching Chris Paul play, but I think certainly for the, a lot of the Lob City era, um, after the first couple years of, of the excitement and stuff, a lot of people didn't really find the Clippers as particularly fun to watch. And I think even some of the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George era, which has really only been two seasons because Kawhi didn't play last year, they haven't always been super fun to watch. And I think this year they will be. 
Um, I'm not as high on Norman Powell as a player as as maybe a lot of people are, but he is undeniably like a fun score to watch. You know, John Wall, again, how good will he be? How positive will his impact be? Remains to be seen. Still a very entertaining player to watch in the open court and, and as a passer and playmaker. Um, I think they just have a, a bunch of really fun players to watch. You know, the one exception might be my uh, my uh, bugaboo, uh, uh, Marcus Morris. But um, they... <laughs> They should be a really enjoyable team to watch. Tyloo is a great coach. I hesitate to say any coach is the best. I think it's it's so hard to quantify coaching. Um, but he, I think, would be almost everybody's top five in the NBA right now. Um, and the Clippers also, importantly, I think, have a, a strong culture and a strong team bond. And it really is mostly the same roster from last year. I mean, the main addition has been John Wall for Isaiah Hartenstein. And, I mean, I love, I love Hart, like, so much. He's just, he's so good. Uh, but... You know, it's not that big of a change on on the roster in the grand scheme of things. So this is a team that has played together, that knows each other. And really, a lot of them have been together for, you know, two or three years now, like Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, um, Evita Zubats. These guys have all been on the team for a few years. So there is some built in chemistry. And I think the team really enjoys playing together. They've been doing all these mini camps and get togethers and stuff like that. I, I think it's pretty common for teams now, but the Clippers have particularly done a lot of that. Going all the way back to uh, to summer league when a bunch of them, a bunch of the veterans showed up and and repped there. So I think it's a very tight knit team, which which certainly helps because again, that has not always been the case, especially in in Lob City. Uh, John Wall, he is probably the biggest question mark on the yeah. roster. Um, what's interesting, I was actually digging into his data, and I did not know this. He he performed really well in D LeBron throughout his career. Our uh, overall defensive impact for a guard. Uh, what if? If things were to go kind of best case scenario for John Wall, what do you see that looking like? Uh, if you're asking for best possible versus best realistic, uh, best possible is he looks somewhat akin to peak Wizards John Wall, where he is like an all-star caliber player. I think that is possible. I, I wouldn't bet on it, certainly. But like there's a version of, of John Wall this year who averages like 16 and 10 on, on good efficiency and plays really good defense and is like more or less an all-star caliber player. I think for me, the best realistic version is he settles into that bench role. Reggie Jackson starts his, his shooting, his off ball play makes him a better fit. I think with, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard than, than John Wall, John Wall can lead this small ball second unit. He's going to run spread pick and roll. He's just going to dash to the rim. He still has his speed. Um, a lot of his fall off in, in other ways has been more like decision making and, and shot selection and other things rather than like the, the sheer fall off in his athleticism and, and passing. Um, he should be able to spray to three point shooters all over the court. Um, and, you know, if he commits, you mentioned defensively at his peak, he was an incredible defender. I think it, that's an interesting situation where the stats and eye test might differ. I think his past couple of years, both in Houston and with the Wizards, the eye test didn't always show that, but I think he does. He's just such a physical, athletic presence that he probably does a lot of stuff. He just makes an impact, even if maybe the effort isn't always there or he gambles too much or, or things along those lines. Um, but, I mean, if he locks in defensively and becomes like a, a back to kind of his lockdown all-defense level play and then contributes just not necessarily doing anything super crazy on the offensive end as a scorer or shot creator, but just running the second unit, providing a lot of playmaking, and being a guy who the Clippers can turn to as an on-ball point of attack defender. Um, I, I think that's probably the best realistic outcome. I don't, I don't think anybody should be expecting All Star John Wall, but it's it's theoretically possible. 
Uh, what do you think is going to happen? We talked about how deep this roster is. How do you see that closing lineup uh, being sorted out? I mean, the only two guarantees, the only two locks, I think, are, are PG and Kawhi. Um, there are certain games where I think Avita Zubats will close. I mean, I, I just don't know if you can go small against, like, uh, you know, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or, <laughs> um, you know, Giannis and and. Zoo has actually played a couple of those guys pretty well. I mean, it, as well as you can play them. Um, so I think there are certain matchups where you have to go big. I think the the maybe the most standard will be um, Nick Batum as, as the five um, and Robert Covington, uh, whichever one you want to call the five. The two of them alongside Kawhi, Paul George, and then one of Reggie Jackson or John Wall. Uh, and again, John Wall is such a question mark that remains to be seen. I'd probably tentatively pencil in Reggie. So I'd say Reggie, PG, Kawhi, and then two of the three of of Nick Batum, Rocco, and Marcus Morris. And they'll go small to close more often than not. Um, but that's not even mentioning Norm Powell, who I think could start either – who could close either at point guard technically, even though he's not really a great passer, or as the two – um, pushing Kawhi to power forward if the Clippers do go really small. So there's a, a ton of combinations, but I, I think, you know, it's going to be Reggie, Paul George, Kawhi, and then Batum Covington, and, and maybe Marcus Morris more often than not. Uh, so, Nick Batum uh, is... I kind of had a... Oh, uh, yeah, I just had a, kind of had a question about Batum, like, um, and kind of looking at his LeBron, I noticed a, a big decline in his old LeBron. Um, same thing for... Uh, EPM, for example. So there's just kind of a decline in his offensive impact metrics. And I guess I'm kind of wondering, A, why do you think that was? And B, uh, can he get back to where he was? Or, you know, if 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 you think he has even declined or. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think offensively, I, I don't think he was quite as effective. But again, it's, it's tough to tell um, with those types of players, because I mean, I think he's the consummate connector right like he on both ends of the court he's a guy who does all the little things he spaces to the right spot um he he moves without the ball um he he's in the right spots defensively and on offense that works great when you have a top tier championship team when you're alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and you can just play off them it's a lot worse when you're being relied upon to actually create offense when you're you're out there with Reggie Jackson and Amir Coffey and Marcus Morris and, you know, Luke Kennard. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you have to handle the ball a little bit more. And the team's offense is cratering if if there's not more sharing because nobody out there is, is a true top option. So I don't know. I wouldn't say like on court. I really saw much in the way of offensive decline. Um, but I think it, it's, it was really not a great context for him. I think he'll look better this year. And I think it's true of a lot of the Clippers players will look a lot better on offense this year when they have Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard to play off of, because they were all way over their heads last year, um, on the offense in terms of, of pecking order. But it also wouldn't surprise me if there was some fall off. I mean, he's, he's getting up there in age and he has been in the NBA for a very long time and has played a ton of minutes. I mean, I, I think most on the team by a gigantic margin because he's been in the NBA since I think 2007 and he's been a key rotation player on every single team he's played on. Um, he has logged, I think north of 30,000 minutes, maybe by quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, if he falls off or if he has fallen off, it's, it's very possible because um, the, the, the wear and tear is certainly there. Okay, the Nick Batum thing, it doesn't make any sense to me, is he's been in the league as long as you say. I thought he was like 37, and he's only 33. Does he own a time machine? How is it po like mathematically possible? 
I think he he came into the NBA when he was like 19. I think maybe I was in 20. like I was like in maybe I was in junior high maybe when he came into the league maybe high school. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean he was. It's actually it's a little. I thought it was 2007. It's 2008, 2009 was his first season. I think he was 19. Um, so he just came in really young, especially for international players. You know, a lot of them come over a little bit older. He came over super young. Um, and I, I think he also just has aged well. I don't know. Some some guys, like, you can really tell the wear and tear. I think he looks more or less the same as he did, like, 10 years ago. Um, like, this is a guy who has not shown his age much in terms of just features, maybe. But, yeah, he has been around. He has been around the block. Um, interesting, I'm look, looking at his basketball reference page. I don't see he's not in, like, the top, you know, whatever in terms of minutes or games played, but he's probably pretty close to, you know, top 20 for, for current NBA players. I can't imagine he'd be far away. So do you think this is the roster, like, do you, do you think, basically, are there any changes possible that could be made? Maybe the trade, trade deadline, picking up another player. I know they've already spent a lot of money on this roster. Do you think they're <laughs> locked in and this is it? Or is there any possible moves? I would be pretty shocked if they didn't make a move. The question is just how big a move is it? Like, is it trading Jason Preston and, like, a couple future second-round picks for a slightly better backup point guard or, or third-string point guard? It, it could be something along those lines. But the Clippers have made a move, I think, like every single year of, of the season of the Lawrence Frank era. Um, they've been a very active team, especially on the, on the deadline last year. Um, what did they do? The, the Robert Covington, Norman Powell deal, of course, the year before that, they made the infamous and, and much maligned Rajon Rondo deal. Uh, before that was Marcus Morris. Before that was the Tobias Harris deal. Before that was the Blake Griffin deal. Um, so this team is is always making moves. Um, in terms of bigger ones, I think there are moves to make. Uh, you know, I've been a, a proponent of Miles Turner. I think other Clippers people are not so high on that. I think there have also been pretty strong rumblings that they've been interested in John Collins, who I think would be a fascinating fit in terms of what the packages going out would look like for either of those guys. And, you know, who knows? But I, I think, it, again, when you look at the roster, even though they do play small, Tyloo loves playing small, um, they do kind of seem like a big man away or just like a, a more big physical presence. Like they could use another power forward center type um, and ideally one who would be better than a Vita Zubats. Maybe it's just a better backup center, um, you know, whoever that might be, you know, Rashawn Holmes or you know, whoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there will be a move made. But as to how big a move and, and what kind of move, I don't know. But I would, my guess would be it would be like a big man of some kind. Uh, Robert Covington, he came over in the uh, the Norman Powell him got moved over uh, the trade deadline from the Blazers. And that, that was not a deal. That was theft. Um, <laughs> but what what did you see out of him? Because he's a player we we talk about. We reference all the time on this podcast. I mean, it's an analytics podcast. We're required to. Um, but what did that look like night in, night out and uh, his defensive impact? I mean, Robert Covington's incredible. I mean, he has some of the best hands in the in the league on defense is the way he can strip you know, ball handlers, you know, dart into passing lanes and also his help side defense as a, as a room protector. I mean, he's not a big guy. He's what, like six, 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 seven. Um, so he can get overmatched at the rim at times, but he averaged uh, 1.2 blocks per game as a Clipper, 1.3 as a Blazer. So average of 1.3 in 27 minutes, which is crazy for a guy his size, um, just a stocks machine. And sure, like that's not the be at all, you know, the, the end all be all of, of defense, um, but he is great at forcing turnovers. Um, he's great at providing rim protection considering his size. Uh, 
he's just always in the right place at the right time. And even though he's not a great rebounder, he is a better rebounder as a as a small ball five or four than Marcus Morris or Nick Batum, who are both pretty pitiful rebounders. Uh, so he helped out a lot there. But he's just a, a great defender. I mean, I think people are always really bad at, at categorizing defense because people love the on-ball high pressure kinds the amount of avery bradley praise over the past 15 years (laughs) just absolutely disgusting and sickening um and robert covington's the exact opposite he's never been particularly great on ball he used to be a lot better like i think he probably used to be a plus there now i'd say he's a minus um but that's not nearly as important as as team defense and help defense and and he's probably one of the best in the league at that across any position um the shooting is going to fall off because he shot 45% from three as a clipper last year. That, that's not going to happen again. But um, even if he shoots his, his career average of 36% on his usual pretty high volume and, you know, contributes at like an all defense level, which I think he was at last year for the Clippers. Um, I mean, he's going to be an insanely valuable player. My only fear is like, I just don't know if he'll play enough, um, whether because they're trying to rest him or because they, they like Marcus Morris a lot more than they should. Um, I, you know, I, I just wish he would play more cause he, he didn't play enough as a Clipper last year. He, didn't he have a 40 point game also? He did. It was absolutely insane against the Bucks. It was, I, I could not play. I think he hit nine threes was it 10 threes. I can't even, it was ridiculous. That was crazy. You know how just like late in the season, right? Random players go off for 40 point games. That that's one of the more, that's one of the crazier ones. I feel like I, uh, have ever seen uh all right robert uh thanks for coming on thanks for getting us up to speed on the state of the clippers uh what is your twitter handle my twitter handle is at rich homie flom uh old <laughs> old reference um it's every year it gets a little less relevant um but yeah i i'm on twitter way too much um so follow me there uh try to get me to four thousand. uh it's i've been on the doorstep for a while but honestly i'm, I'm happy without a big twitter following because it just seems like a pain but yes follow me at rich homie flom All right, Robert Flom, thank you. My name's Taylor. Thank you to Krishna for producing, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.